to the Bruins Benders Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6, Fear the Bear, with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. InsideTheRink.com is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and PHF news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink. And download the new Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone. And now Smitty has a quick word from show sponsor in his second income. And friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines up for their 28th year of live betting. Sign up at BetUS.com with the promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, that is BETUS.com. And use the promo code rank for your sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. BetUS.com. I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. What's that? Because I, I told you to pick UConn over Boston College Moneyline, which was like plus 255 or whatever it was. Yeah. It was a lot. 285, something like outrageous. And UConn beats BC. They do. Boom. They did. And I should have I should have bet it. I have yeah. been under the weather, so I'm going to use that as an excuse. Yeah. I had <laughs> caught, caught the old COVID last Thursday. Uh, still trying to recover. So if I uh, vanish from the picture for a moment, I am <laughs> coughing up yeah. a lung or something mm. of that nature. So, uh, yeah, still, still getting over it a little bit here. But, uh, you know, hanging in. Yeah, you're a Bruin. You're a Bruin. Yeah, shake and it off. Uh, be a Bruin, as Derek Sanderson used to say. <laughs> That's right. Uh, right. You are being a Bruin. And so are the Bruins. How about this? Nine and one in the first 10 games, uh, first time in franchise history. And they had three really good, eventful, entertaining wins this past week. Again, another 3-0 and week. And on October the 27th, a 5-1 to one win over the Red Wings where they really kind of dominated them. Three goals in 99 seconds. Bruins have shown a lot of explosiveness, 45 goals, four and a half goals per game in the first 10 games. Brad Marchand was the story. He comes back first game, two goals and an assist, 17 and a half minutes, 22 shifts. He was just tremendous. And the Bruins keep rolling. Yeah. I mean, pretty unbelievable that he just stepped back in and kind of without missing yeah. a B. I mean, he did show some signs of rust with stick puck handling and so forth, but, uh, you know, the the hockey IQ and that stuff never left. And, uh, you know, he's playing pain-free now, and he just comes back, right back in like, uh, you know, he never left. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Cameron Neely back in the day, you know, taking a couple of, you know, back-to-backs off and a couple of games off or every other, and then he'd come in and just, and just score a goal or two, mm-hmm. uh, almost like clockwork. And, and Marchand uh, was the story in that one. And then the next night, second night of a back-to-back, and it was a 4 to nothing win over Columbus. Uh, Linus Olmark was great. Again, Matt Grizzlick was the 15th different goal scorer for the team to that point. Uh, David Parsonark scored his seventh, took over the lead in the scoring race in the NHL for that moment. Uh, best start in Bruins history at the time and a, and a pretty good win in the second night of a back-to-back on the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Marshan back out of the lineup in that one, uh, a scheduled day off and uh, for them to come out and just shut Columbus down uh, was a, was a nice win as you know, like you said, on the second night of a back-to-back and 
and pasta scoring and, and Grizz is scoring. The whole team is scoring for crying out loud. So uh, <laughs> everybody seems to be getting into the act. I feel like it's kind of contagious now where, you know, with everybody contributing, everybody feels like they can contribute and mm-hmm. just you're getting production up and down the lineup, you know, out of the bottom six, you know, Hall, Krejci, you know, Krejci's, you know, dinged up a little bit, but that line had, has been good haul, especially of late. Uh, so yeah, really production everywhere. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing to see. And, and everybody, it seems like really enjoys coming to the rink at this point in time. Yeah. And we've, you know, people have talked about that from the get go, you know, new coach and new outlook. And we know what happened last year with Cassidy and, and feeling good, but, uh, that, you know, that goes, you know, that'll, that'll happen for four or five games. And then you start hitting, you know, you hit your first road trip like this is, and you hit your first adversity and this team is now just rolling. And I don't think it really has anything to do with the change now. It's just that they're pretty talented and that they're getting production from everybody up and down the lineup really. And uh, last night, November 1st was really an incredible win. The Penguins were are 228 two and two in the last 10 years are leading by three goals or more. And last night was one of those losses because the Bruins scored four unanswered. And Linus Armark was pulled, then comes back in uh, after Swayman gets hurt and he wins it. He shuts the door. Hampus Lundholm was a monster after some struggles defensively early. He factored in on the last four goals and it was such an improbable win. It's one of the most improbable wins you'd probably see from them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Bruins have only, you know, you talk about the Penguins um, losing after being up three goals. I think the Bruins have only come back three times in the last 10 years when being down by three goals. So, uh, you know, improbable. (laughs) Improbable in both directions. So, you know, it it really is. I mean, I think it was three goals in the third period, not just three goals in general. Oh, in the third. Okay. Right. Um, So... Uh, yeah, improbable win. You, you know, I was ready to ready to turn it off. I mean, I'm not going to turn it off, but I was ready right. to turn it off. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it, they just kept chipping away. And this team, uh, you can never really count them out. It seems like whenever they get down, they're going to fight to the end. Same ha- thing happened in the Ottawa game. They, you know, erased a mm-hmm. couple, uh, maybe even three, two-goal deficits to, to keep getting back into the game, getting back into the game to give themselves a chance at the end. Um, and you know, that's really all you can ask for, especially when you, when you don't have your a game and they certainly didn't last night, there was, you know, they looked like they were a little kind of didn't really have much jump early. They had a lot of passes that were in people's skates. You know, they weren't real crisp. The D zone coverage wasn't real good. Um, but being able to find a way to win on the road against a really good team, uh, especially a hungry team coming off a, a terrible road trip themselves in the Penguins, uh, that's really a, just a, a great, great win for the Bruins. It is. And uh, and talk about the beginning of that third period. Both teams look like... Oh, know, my gosh. Basket. The thing was puck was <laughs> bouncing everywhere and passes were going everywhere. And I just looked... It seemed to me that throughout the course of the game, and it got worse, that the ice was... Very snowy, like with the puck was like guys were leaving pucks behind. Yeah, it just seemed like the ice wasn't great. Um, and there were a lot of missed passes, a lot of you know, passes jumping off sticks, a lot of guys leaving pucks behind them, and it's just kind of kind of a strange ice surface, it seemed like. Um, but the Bruins, you know, and I thought when they went down 5 2 and then had that goal to Salad, I'm like, that that was your chance right there, yeah, and then to get deflated again, uh. You know, I thought would have. I mean, they just gave up two goals in 20 seconds. They come back after the timeout and the goalie change. They don't get the goal because it's disallowed. And I'm like, well, 
there's your chance. I mean, they, they tried, but yeah. now they're going to, they're going to take another hit here and they came right back and scored again, like right within a minute. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, a great tip by Zaka and then a great play by Hall to knock it down back to the net, right. turn around and fire it to the far corner. It was yeah. just a sensational play. It was. And then, and then of course the, the goal by Lindholm just end to end like Bobby Orr, yeah. you know, and then firing it home. And it was just, it was just amazing to me. And you know what? This resilience is not exclusive to Montgomery. It's not a newfound resiliency. I mean, this no. team has been resilient for the last few years in the past, like the last 10 years probably. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's been a staple of them. I mean, they don't give up. They do come back. Um, they do handle adversity. Well, speaks to the, the room and the leaders of the room and uh this is something that's always been but when you're feeling good you don't feel like any deficit is too much and you can almost see that they were more business-like and more focused when they went down five two. like okay we need to take a shot at this and try to come back and win and it and it worked out you don't want to do that every night but uh it worked out and they they were able to beat a team in pittsburgh that's struggling a bit they lost four in a row on the road um, this is one of those comeback home after a bad road trip games, which can be a trip up. And then Penguins score 30 seconds in, and you think, oh, God. And then the Bruins come back and score a couple, take a two-to-one league, and you, it lead, and you're like, okay, the Bruins have the advantage here. And then, like you said, loose play, I thought. Like a lot of loose yeah. play, especially in their own end. Um, but they were able to, you know, and Montgomery said it best, I, th- I thought. You know, really good teams win six five, win two to one. Yeah, you, know, they, you have to win different types of ways, and this team can win different different ways for sure. Um, now, in the, all the teams in NHL history, four teams that have won nine plus in their first ten games, so either nine or ten games in the first ten, while scoring a combined forty five plus goals, and the Bruins are one of them. Ninety three, ninety four Maple Leafs, ninety four, ninety five Penguins, oh six, oh seven Sabers. And the Bruins. Bruins are scoring four and a half goals per game. I think at this point last year they were like at two point eight. I think they had twenty eight goals or something like that. Yeah. So they're you know they're they're and it's entertaining hockey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It it's is like the only caveat I have is, you know, I don't I don't want to be the high flying L.A. Kings of the eighties. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then lose in the playoffs because you're too loose. Like you're not dedicated enough right. to defense. So that's a that's something I I don't love. Like yeah. you're so open ice that it's entertaining for the fans. Your talent wins, but are you good enough to really lock it down defensively and get get wins against good teams? And I think that that's something that to keep an eye on. Of course, McAvoy coming back will help help, but I think it's something to keep an eye on anyway. Um, all right, seven chirps. And it is sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woodsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week, and you can use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com and also follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events. Chirp number one, Jack Stanicka was traded mid-game. For an, NA, for an AHL goalie prospect and a 19-year-old Swedish defenseman, uh, your thoughts on this one? I mean, they're not going to miss him. They're not going to. No. I mean, he's no. not a NHL player. I think we've both established that. I think the team feels that, or else they wouldn't have traded him away for a couple of minor leaguers. 
uh, the defense prospect is a young kid. You know, he's probably been scouted by, uh, you know, their Swedish scouts over there and PJ Axelson or whatever. And, um, you know, he was a mid to late round pick, I think a fifth round pick. Um, the goalie prospect has some, you know, he's got some upside. So, um, I've heard some good things about him. So that might be, you know, a sneaky under the radar, little pickup there. Uh, especially, you know, with, uh, swimming, reaching RFA status and, um, you know, you're not hundred percent sure what you might do there. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a good trade overall cause you got something for a guy that you probably were going to send down and wave or, you know, Sweeney said that he had some interest in him. Uh, so I guess he did the best he could and, uh, you know, yeah, good luck to him in Vancouver. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I noticed he did get into the game. Uh, uh, you know, after he was there for a little bit, he got into his first game and, uh, he did not set the world on fire. It was very similar to his first game with the Bruins skated, uh, about nine minutes. He was minus one, two of five from the dot and, uh, zeros across the board. So really no hits, no shots, no nothing. So, uh, just about what he was doing up here, floating around, uh, you know, the other team scores when he's on the ice and he doesn't win any faceoffs. So, uh, yeah, see you later. And hey, look, if, if the Bruins need future centers and this is a second round pick and you would think that they would give him every opportunity. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean, he played 40 games or something here. Like, it's not like he played like Sinistian played 14, you know, and then you can maybe make a gripe about it. But this guy, this guy, you know, he played 40 games in the league and every time he played, it just seemed to me like, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of of skill in his hands and such vision maybe, but physically he just didn't seem to, to be in it or be able to stand up to it or any of it. Like he just, there was something missing from his game. Like he get bumped off the puck and it just, he just wasn't And you look in the connects are a dumpster fire right now. I mean, they're trying like hell to, to, to bail the water out of the boat. Like they, they need Jackson, Nick, somebody, you know, they, they take a flyer on the kid and they put him in there and they can't even get him more than nine minutes. Like, it just seems like every time he played, it was eight minutes, nine minutes, sit sitting for half a period. Like you can't have that. You just can't have it. And maybe the guy's just an AHL player. He's never really set the world on fire at any real level. He had a couple of decent years in there a couple of pretty good years but it wasn't like he's a guy who's scoring 120 points in the ohl or whatever like he never really he's a second round pick he's a 53rd overall or whatever it was like he's he's not even a first rounder or, or so it's no surprise that he's not this great you know nhl prospect or what have you and they get a the swedish defenseman canucks had a poor defensive prospect pool i guess but this guy was one of the better ones and then, like you said, the goalie might flip him, might might flip Kaiser, might, you know, who knows, may flip Swayman. Like, who, who knows if those contract negotiations go anywhere. So, yeah, it's always good to have pretty good goalie prospects. So yeah. I, I, I like the trade. I mean, they, sure. they seem to get some value for a guy who had zero. Like, he just didn't have any more value. So I thought I thought it was a really good move from Sweeney, who can, who's still on a roll of pretty good trades here. Like he, he really is. Um, all right. Chirp two, Marshan returns. And it's like, he's never left. He has three, three goals already he had a goal again last night. Uh, he, he missed the second game of the back to back. What wasn't playing back to back. So I don't think they have another one until December. Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't be an issue there. And um, yeah, like you said, some, some, you know, 
you know, puck management stuff. Some of it is typical Marshan because he'll try to make some home run plays sometimes and turn it over. Some of it's just some rust. Um, but man, he looks, he looks good skating, still darting. I don't see any real, um, restrictions from him at all. No, no, he's, he, he's come back in and he's, he's looked good. Uh, four points in two games that he's played and, and, uh, you know, he's typically on pucks and winning pucks and battling for pucks. I mean, that's one of his biggest strengths is he's just so good, um, you know, going down into the corners and, and coming out with pucks and, and, and then making plays. Um, and you know, it's, it's really good to have him back. And, and, uh, you know, I think the, the power play certainly was was happy to see him back because I believe they scored either two or three power play goals on on that first first game when he was back. Um, mm. So uh, that was nice to see, and and uh, they're you know they're getting closer to getting McAvoy back. It seems like he might be uh, knock on wood a little bit uh, early as well. So they could be at full strength earlier than than uh, we were expecting here, and uh, with the start that they've gotten off to. Uh, you know, can only mean good things going forward. Well, some, I mean, there's some separation there in the division. Like there are 18 yeah. points. I think second place is what 12. I mean, it's yeah. there's some separation going there. What you wanted. I mean, you wanted to tread water and be in the mix. Well, you're you're setting yourself up to have some cushion, and that's that's you know really good. And uh, again, tough stretch here with you know Rangers coming up and Blues and Flames are in. Uh, yeah, Blues and Flames are in yeah. there, and there's some good teams, Toronto. Yeah. So we'll see uh, if they can sustain it. But right now, uh, all systems go for the Bruins. Uh, chirp three, Pierre Lebrun of the Athletics senses sizable gaps in position on both sides on the David Parsonak talks. Sweeney said no end point yet. Uh-oh. And I've been saying this from the get-go. Like, I don't. Every day that goes by, every one of these articles, every one of these tweets, every one of these Sweeney quotes, I get less and less uh, confident. I do. Yeah. I think that, I think they're going to get it done. I think they will. And I think they're just going to have to pay. I think they're going to have to pay them. And whether that's, you know, the eight eighty eight eleven 11 mil per, or if they have to give them 12 or 12 and a half, they'll pay them. Um, and they'll get it done. Uh, I don't, like I said, it, and this is just me saying, um, this is the way that it should be because like I've said before, you cannot, you cannot let 40 goal scorers walk away. You can't. No. So if they have to pay them, you know, 12 and a half instead of 11 or 13 instead of 11, you pay them because you can't let guys that score goals in this league at that rate walk away. You just can't. So unless you can get a guy back who scores the same amount of goals that he does, you'd pay him, pay him. Pay him. Yeah. And the longer you wait, the better he's playing, the more it's going to cost you. Right. So get it done, Sweeney. Get it done. Yeah. Get I it mean, done. I thought the same thing with Jabrinkit with Chicago. And Jabrinkit doesn't have the resume that Pasternak has. No. Not close. So I thought the same thing with, with him. Like, you have to pay those guys who are going to score 40 goals. And Pasternak in the first, you know, 10 games here with 17 points or whatever it is, however many he has, is, is you know, that that's just shows his his worth right there and kudos to him for, to, to be able to come out in the beginning of the year here and just light the world on fire. Yeah. Like with, I mean, just be second. I think he's second in the league now behind McDavid. Yeah. Like he's right up there with McDavid and Dreisaitl and, you know, he's up there with the big boys and 
like you said, I mean, I mean, you might have to go, you know, eight and 96, like, I mean, the, it, unprecedented for the Bruins. Yeah. Unprecedented. Um, but I think you, like you said, you have to do it. What's the alternative? Like what you're not going to get, you're going to get 50 cents on the dollar at the most in a trade, you know, or you're going to get you, if you traded him, you're going to get, um, you know, the return is going to be half decent and half. We hope it's decent. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be, you know, picks and young players. And so I just, I'm with you. I, you know, and you know, my thought is they're trying to do like slightly above McAvoy and he's like, eh, you know, yeah, probably I want 11, 11 or 12. I want Marner at least, you know, yeah. which, you know, I don't blame them. No. Um, and they're probably going, yeah, 10 and a half, David, you know, pasta, we love you. And he's like, nah, you know, because he took a discount before he did. So I don't, I don't think he wants to do that again. So it's, <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's a tough one. It, it it is, and I I just get more and more concerned that something's going to happen, and I'm not sure what that number is, and I'm not sure what the delay is. I'm I'm just not sure what's going on there because the Bruins have said they want to be aggressive, but have they been? Because I think they're still slightly lowballing him. Yeah, I think I, I think I mean, they, they have to be. I think they are too, and I think um, you know, the only way that you could sell this to the fans and have it be remotely close to okay is if you did something like Calgary did where, you know, you trade them to a team like Florida and you get back a guy that's equal in Huberto and then another piece and then a first round pick or something. Mm, Like, so if you trade them somewhere, right. And you get, you know, two all-star caliber players back and a pick Maybe you yep. can sell that, but you you really would have to be, um, you know, selling not selling, but uh, getting a, a boatload in value back in return. Right, and what if you're headed for the President's Trophy, like you're first in the league? Like, I mean, that's you know, and then you, <laughs> and then you have to, you have to make that decision at the trade deadline. You, I mean, can you really trade David Pasternak, you, who was probably going to be your leading scorer, maybe even your leading point getter at the time, and you're going to trade him at the deadline because you can't afford for the negotiation to go down to the wire at the end and lose him for nothing? What if you? you know, are heading in that position and you, you, you decide, well, we're keeping it. We're making a cup run. You lose in the second round and then you have nothing. Then you have no one have him. You don't have a return and you don't have a cup. So I, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it sets up for a really weird situation where are you really going to trade the guy if it stalls in the middle of a cup run when you're the, maybe the best team in the league? Like, Holy moly. Like, yeah. So I, it's, it just, it to me, it's just, it's weird. Why is it taking so long? Like it's just, it's just strange. Um, all right, chirp number four. Question was posed recently: Do the Bruins start this way with Cassidy? How much is Montgomery responsible for this start? I do not think they start this way with Cassidy because I think uh, half the team hated the guy. <laughs> so I don't think they would have uh, been enthusiastic about coming to the rink and playing. Um, I think Montgomery's system of having the defenseman jump up and play more has certainly helped. I mean, they've scored 
uh, many more goals than they did last year. Their shooting percentage is much better. I know it's still early, but um, you know, you're getting uh, Hampus Lindholm at this point in the year has 11 points already. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, he's like second or third on the team in scoring. Clifton has a bunch of points. You know, yeah. you know, everybody seems to be chipping in from the back end, which is what they wanted. So mm-hmm. I don't think they do have the same start. Um, if Cassidy was here, obviously Allmark being, you know, smoking hot early certainly helps. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think it has a lot to do with Montgomery and, and, uh, the guys having some freedom, the guys feeling good about coming to the rink and, uh, the amount of goals they're scoring uh, with the new system. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would tend to agree. I mean, I, I don't think they'd have the same, you know, just the same overall feeling of a fresh start, you know, in the clear head and all that. Like, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of why they're playing well. I still think they would have probably started, you know, fairly well. Maybe they'd be, you know, six, three and one or so, you know, who knows? I mean, something five and, you know, seven and three or I don't know something, but I don't think they'd be nine and one. Um, I don't think it's, you know, again, it, you know, I don't think it's, it's, you know, I think Cassidy, look, they, they went to six, this playoff six seasons in a row. They had 107 points last year. Like, I think they'd, I think they'd still be good. I think they still would have started fairly well because they, they do have a sense of urgency of in a focus, like we have to start well without our top players and so forth. So I think that would have happened, but um, it is a more of a carefree kind of play. I mean, with Lauco being the lineup, with Greer being the lineup, like, well, would they have gone? Yeah. So, would would Krejci be in the lineup? Would De, DeBrusque right. be in the lineup? Probably right. not. Right. If if Cassidy's still here, those guys aren't. DeBrusque right. still DeBrusque still wants out. Krejci wouldn't come back. Right. So, right. I, I mean, true. I, I think. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. exactly. So, I think you would yeah. be missing maybe some guys that have been pretty instrumental in in helping you get to where you were. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think maybe it's not necessarily Montgomery. Um, you know, but minus 100%, but minus, yeah, minus in Cassidy out, I think certainly helped. So chirp number five, Barstool ranked the 124 pro sports teams and the Bruins were 22nd overall Tampa Bay, Colorado, Carolina, and the Rangers were the hockey teams ahead of them. The Celtics 12, Pats 26 and Red Sox 33. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Tampa Bay, Colorado, Carolina, and New York ahead of them. Tampa Bay was second overall. That is, I mean, Tampa they've Bay won. Bay. They've won, I guess, yeah. you know, a few times recently. And Carolina in there is. That is, I mean, what's what's the ranking based on? Is it just like winning or is it? I think it might just be like the teams, like how good are the teams in their particular sport kind of thing. It would have to be. It can't be anything else to do with revenue or popularity or any of that. It has to just be, I guess. Quality of life, places right to now. live. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I, mean, that sounds about right. They might be a little, the Bruins might be a little low at 22. Um, Celtics at 12. I mean, they're a championship <laughs> contender. Yeah. Um, Pat's 26. That's Se- a little high. Seems high to me. Uh, I mean, maybe based yeah. off previous winning, seems like yeah. as well as Tampa Bay there. Uh, and right. the Sox at 33. I mean, yeah. Boston That's teams are, are you know, people follow it and, and they're diehards yeah. and so forth. So, I mean, I guess that's fine. But, uh, yeah, I think the Pats are probably a little too high. And I think the Sox are probably a little too high because they, yeah. they uh, 
their ownership and, and yeah. so forth right now. They are Atlanta. very good. Yeah, yeah. last place. So that, was, so. that was an interesting one. It is. Uh, trip six, Bruins are fifth in value in the NHL worth $1.41 billion. So uh, Jacob's not probably selling anytime soon. No, he's not selling anytime soon. He's certainly not giving up the concessions, nor is he giving up the building. I mean, they get 25 mil from the Celtics a year, I think, for lease leasing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of there's a cash cow going on there. There is for sure because they charge the a, they charge a shitload for tickets. They charge a yeah. shitload for concessions. Um, and uh, it used to be that they did all that and then didn't buy players. But now, yeah. at least with the salary cap, they're they're spending you know to the cap and and putting competitive teams on the ice. So at least that part of it is good, I guess. But uh, I'm still not a huge fan of the Jacobs family and uh, as ownership. No, I mean it's and here's the thing. I mean you have the Celtics with Wick Grossbeck. I mean he says all the right things. He's a fan. I'm sure he is a fan. Bob Kraft, he was a fan. You know he's always been a fan. You know he's a businessman though. I mean they're they're one of the top in the world revenue wise. Mm-hmm. I mean one of the most valuable franchises out there. He loves his money. Like but he says all the right things and. And of course, the Red Sox have been have sort of absent ownership, and the Bruins have an owner that just has never been a hockey fan. No, so so that's I guess where the difference lies is that when you see you know Grossbeck and Kraft talking about you know being a fan and wanting to win and all this stuff, even if it's half out of the side of your mouth and it's half BS, um, you know, the Bruins have an owner that has just never really liked hockey. And never yeah. really cared about the winning on the ice. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Wicks is puts his money where his mouth is, as far as you know, the luxury tax and all that stuff that the yeah. that the Celtics have to pay this year. I think is exorbitant. It's like some huge amount yeah. um, right. that they went over to to try to get a title. So um, it would be nice to see the ownership of the Bruins with that same type of you know, let's get a title attitude. I don't think it's there. Right. I don't think it's ever been there. I don't think the titles are really that important to them. I think them. The bottom line is more important, which yeah, you know, kind of doubt. has gotten over under my skin to the last you know yeah. <laughs> forty nine yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, the salary cap was the best thing that ever happened to Bruins. Oh, fans. absolutely, it was the best thing because now they can say, okay, we can do that and still make you know fistfuls of money. Absolutely, so they can spend to that eighty two million, whatever it is, it'll be eighty three, eighty five, whatever it is. They can spend to that, and it's an even level playing field. Back in the day when there wasn't a salary cap, they wouldn't make that extra move in 1988 or 1990 to try to beat the Oilers or so forth. You know, they just wouldn't do it. So, Or 92 even when they had the best team in the league, I think it was, and lost to the Sabres there. Any of those years when they lost Neely and they could have got, gone out and got a guy to help uh, with that void, they didn't do it because – you know, it's every other other teams are spending more and they weren't spending as much. So it has been a good thing, the salary cap for Bruins fans, because it keeps the Bruins competitive without that excuse of not paying money. Mm-hmm. So um in trip number seven, the more the team wins, shouldn't Don Sweeney get much more credit for this roster and the moves made? I guess so. 
You know, isn't it hard? Like, I, I mean, I don't I hear a soul saying anything about Don Sweeney. Not a soul, but they crucify him. They do when they don't win. Yeah. When they when they don't have uh, whatever prospects and so forth. Yeah. But no one said a word. Everything no. is either Montgomery or the players. Yeah. Nobody said a word. No, I mean Don Sweeney at all. Well, I mean, Bill Belichick said it all all along, and he, and he's right. The players win games. It's it's the players win games, and 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 the the uh, the manager and the general manager get uh, too much credit and too much well too much blame when things don't go the right you know the right way. It's really mostly the players. The players have to perform in order for you to win. You have to have talent to win. That's another thing that pisses me off about the Red Sox. You trade away all your talent, and you wonder why the team sucks now. It's because you you gave away all your good players. That's why. You traded them all away, or you didn't sign them. So, um, yeah, he should get credit. He put a roster together that's deep. Um, he's filled some holes. Um, he addressed some things that needed addressing, maybe a little bit late for my liking, as far as, like, the center position. Like, oh, we'll wait and see if Bergeron comes back and if is going to come back. Whereas, you know, you knew that th- you had those same holes last year, and it was like, oh, we'll plug Eric Hall in and see what happens. Well, you know, it ended up working out for you pretty well, but you still... You know, we're out in the first round. You know, they made he made the trade for Zaka. That was good. He made the trade for Lindholm. That was good. So he's he's done some things to to fill out the roster and and got some depth and and brought some guys in that that seemed to be working out. You know, the Allmark signing. People were like, "Why is he doing that?" He has Swayman and Vladar. So he's done some things that have worked out um, for the Bruins and and have you know really led to them being in the position they are now. Yeah, and I, you know, it, it, the thing about Sweeney, and again, you know, adding Greer and McLaughlin and Merkulov, like guys who, when he knew that the drafting wasn't where it needed to be, and he went out and signed college guys and guys, you know, who were still young but finding their way and with some some upside, and those guys have, you know, largely worked out. So, yeah, he's trying to repair some of the wrongs in the draft and some of the, you know, the emptiness in those drafts. I mean, Yalka Blanco scores against the Penguins the first goal from any draft from 18 to 22. So five drafts. That was the first goal scored by a Bruin drafted from 18 to 22. Like, that was the first goal. So that's an empty little spot there now it may be filled up with some guys but it's largely empty and uh you know guys like Stadnika gone Steen's halfway gone like some there's other guys that are just that old guard of prospects that never came through so now he's had to play catch up and he's done a pretty good job with it like he's filled in some holes in the prospect pool with guys who were either undrafted and signed as college players or what so forth so he does deserve some credit. The Zaka deal, I thought, was a good deal for Haller. I mean, anytime you get a guy who's three, three, you know, six years younger, mm-hmm. you know, and have have can play center wing and has the skill of Zaka, who's more skilled than than Haller is an offensive player. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, he's he had Krejci and Berger on those sort of friendly deals, and so you know, it's it's trending upward for Don Sweeney, even though everybody's sort of. Uh, Avoiding it like the plague, <laughs> uh, <laughs> including us. All right, Benders and Beauties time. Beauties and Benders coming up from uh, the Bruins Benders. And the third beauty 
It's Charlie Coyle. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. You know, Coyle, we, I kind of ripped on him earlier in the season because it wasn't a lot of offensive production. And I think it, I think I was in that mode of he's just a 40 point guy and he's not giving us enough offense and so forth. And he makes five and a half million, whatever it is. But he has been a very consistent player this year. Mm-hmm. He's played a lot of shifts, like second to Bergeron. Like he's been a, a kind of a workhorse and he's played with different wingers. And now he's scoring goals. He had another goal last night on a, on a rebound goal, a type of goal he needs to score. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's playing really, really well. He is. And I think that um, the simplified game of playing with Frederick and Greer might help him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um they are not guys who are going to, you know, dangle somebody and and do something like that. They're going to want to get pucks to the net, crash the net, and see if they can bang and rebounds. And I think having guys on your line that want that to be the case, they want you to get the puck to the net so they can get into the net front and crash and try to bang and rebounds. I think that can only help them because he's a big guy. They're all big guys, you know, over six feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that will uh, kind of help his game you know, maybe simplified a little bit instead of all the puck protection on the outside. It's more like let's puck protect the puck, get it to the net, and then see what happens. And mm-hmm. they're starting to score some goals that way. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that can only help them. Yeah, and, you know, Smith struggled. And I think Smith is a guy like, you know, kind of in the slot, tap your stick, like give it to me so I can shoot it. Yeah. And maybe that's the type of guy that, you know, it, Coyle isn't 100% with anymore. And, of course, Smith, I think, is – you know, declining some and, and it really isn't giving a ton to them. And Greer, I think is, is lit a little bit of a fire there. I mean, he, he plays, you know, hard and he good skater. He's actually, a, you know, has some tools has a good shot. Yeah. So um, I think you're right. I think a coil again, confidence is a big thing and confidently sure. he's playing much more confidently now. Um, beauty number two, Derek Forbort. Going to love you. Eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. Now, unfortunately, Forbo went down five minutes of ice time last night and took a uh, look at a shot to the handish. Yeah, it did. It looked like there. a shot yeah. off his. Uh, I believe it was his right hand. Uh, yeah. And um, for for a hockey player not to come back into a game after a Fresh shot man. block, um, <laughs> right. I, I, f- I fear that he may have broken his hand or or his mm-hmm. wrist or something like that. So right. um, hopefully. Um, we hear that he's, uh, you know, just has a bad bone bruise or something like that. And they were just being precautious uh, or cautious with him. And uh, he's he's OK. But, uh, you know, that could be something to to keep an eye on going forward, because you may mm. see uh, Zabor Riley come back in. Yeah. Uh, on the NHL site, it did say he went to IR. So okay. that's at least however many games that is. Yeah, and then four games, 10 days, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And uh, he did block five shots in the five minutes. He's been just extremely steady, you know, as a team. And one little sneaky snap, stat you can look at with it to feel how engaged the team is and how committed they are to winning is block shots as a team. Mm-hmm. And the Bruins had like 25 block shots last night. I mean, yeah. they're blocking shots. Everybody is like, yeah. it's, and when everybody is, that largely means the team is in, it's focused, it's committed, mm-hmm. it's together. And that's a sneaky little stat. And Forbort's the, you know, one of the leaders and shot blocks on the team. And he's, that's what he does. Good penalty killer. And he's been really good in the beginning of the season here. And it is a tough loss for them because when Riley or Saboro go in, it changes 
your team. Yeah, it, different, that, they, different players. Yeah, they they don't have the same physicality and and they're not the same uh, level of penalty killer that he is. So they'll definitely miss him, and and hopefully he'll be back sooner right. rather than later. Right. And then beauty number one, Hampus Lindholm. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. Lindy was a monster, and he's been fantastic with McAvoy out, the number one defenseman for them. He had almost 30 minutes last night. He has 11 points on the season, eight assists, um, and scored the game winner last night. He's just been a horse. He has been. Just a horse and a beast for them. Yeah, he's he's been... um... You know, along probably with Connor Clifton, they, you know, they're, they're two best defensemen uh, in the early part of the season here. And he's, uh, you know, he's taken on the minutes load. He, you know, plays first pair. Uh, he's scoring goals. He's assisting. He's, you know, jumping up into the play. I think he's really uh, bought into Montgomery's system. Uh, he seem, it seems like it fits his game really well. I think he, he likes to have some movement and, and motion in the offensive zone. He likes getting pucks to the net. He's pretty good at getting pucks through to the net. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, you know, a big guy too, so he can shut down plays in the defensive end. He makes good passes out of his zone. So he's, he's really been playing well to start the year and, and, uh, you know, they, they have him for a long time. So that's good to see. They do. I mean, that top, if they remain together, which they probably should largely, is that top pair with McAvoy and Lindholm is just as good as it gets, really, in the league. Um, that's what you need to make cup runs. All right, Bender's time. Three Benders, number three, ESPN hockey coverage. Ah, the Bender. <laughs> I just, you know, do, first of all, do some research. How about Ray Ferraro last night taking on this initiative that the Bruins are running goaltenders now all of a sudden? Like they haven't gotten in front of the goaltender in three years. And yeah. They finally get in front of us. And now they're running goaltenders and they, they're making a mountain out of a molehill of it. First of all, both times they got shoved into the guy. Both times. Mm-hmm. Pasternak and Bergeron. And Bergeron, I thought well, that should have been a goal. I mean, he got he got knocked into the guy and went just past his his, you know, leg or whatever, but he got shoved into him. I would have counted that. And again, NHL loves to disallow goals. It's a weird thing. It's weird, and they they love it. They can't wait. Yeah. So um, I thought I thought that last night. Now again, and I know national is different because they don't cover the team all the time, so they have to pick up different information from people, and sometimes they assume things that aren't true. And I just thought there were little tidbits. I love Sean McDonough. I thought he's thought he's great. He's always been great. Yeah. One of the greats. But the the analysts and the coverage is just second rate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought McDonough was excellent. I, I do th- I do think Mark Messier is just so, so unprepared. Just he just he's yeah. just awful yeah. at it. He's a name and he's just not good at it. I, I mean it's no. like the Bruin the Red Sox with Jim Rice. It's like just yeah. because the guy is a Hall of Fame guy doesn't mean it makes him a good analyst. It doesn't. No. So no. and and Messier is bad at it, and and I really think that I would rather see somebody else on there with a little more personality. He has zero personality, and he's a not a good analyst. So what what it? I mean, you, you just having it. So you know, a hockey guy looks at the screens like, oh, that's Mark Messier, right? I mean. So what? How much of a draw is that? Like seriously, it's not a like, draw at all. Now. I mean, Christ, like he hasn't been. His prime was thirty years ago. Yeah, like, I mean, now, if you're like, trying to get young hockey guys, do what TNT does and get a guy like Bissonette that has some personality right. and is going right. to chirp people and and right. and so forth. Get somebody that 
get John Scott in there or somebody in there that that can have a little fun, has a personality. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I've never understood how the NHL markets markets the league and, and whatever. I, I don't think they do a good job of it uh, at all compared to the other leagues. So um, to, to, to see that the, the broadcast um, is third rate is not a surprise. Right. And you know what? It, when it comes to playoff time, I'd get Trevor Zegers on there. Like I'd get like, you know, because they'll be out of it because they suck. Yeah. And I'd, I'd put Zegers on there. He has great personality. Like, sure. Every time he was mic'd up last night, it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, you, you scared, dude? I'm 135 pounds. I'm like, <laughs> right. really? Like, no, 175. <laughs> it was just hilarious. Hilarious. Um, all right. Uh, bender number two, Tristan Jerry. I'm a bender. I'll tell you what a drama queen this dude is. Oh my god! Every time you go near him, it's just like he fawns, or like he's just he's just flailing and diving and flopping in the net. It's just outrageous. I can see why now Marchand punched him in the face last year, and and then put his stick in his face. He just he probably just snapped and had had enough. He's like every time I brush the guy. The worst one was was I believe it was either in the second or the third period. There's like a point shot. and he gloves makes a glove save, gives it a little bit of a flourish because he's an asshole. And then F- Felino is going to the net and basically just brushes the glove hand, and he throws yeah. his head back like he was killed. Right. And Felino yeah. turned around and started yapping at him, and then Jari's yapping back. And yeah. and then F- <laughs> I tweeted out, I'm like, Felino probably said, "Stop flopping around, you prick." And then right. Jari's right. like, you know, I right. I disagree with what you're saying, but I stand with I stand with Fliggy. I think I think he's I think he's right. I think the guy flops. I think the pass knock thing was a flop. Yeah, he he pushed him in the head, but then he throws right. his arms up, flips his head back, so his mask right. comes off, and then he's you know lying in the crease like he was killed. Like if he handles that like a normal person, uh, you know, pass and I probably doesn't get a penalty. So I mean, I guess yeah. it works in their favor. Right. Um, but you know, he he's he's uh, he's terrible. He's like. The PK Subban of goalies out there—it's ridiculous. Oh, he's, he's flopping. Every, he's flopping everywhere. And Felino even threw his head back. Like, stop doing that. Like, stop, stop throwing your head back. And and I'm glad. I'm glad Felino said something because and you could tell. You know what? Maybe it's just me, but I really thought Bruins had more traffic in front than they typically do. And it almost seems like that was part of the scout. Like, let's get into Jerry. Let's get him fucking, you know, flopping and yapping and off his game. And it almost seemed like there was more. They were they made more of an effort than typically to get in front of the net. Well, I think they don't like the guy at all. So I think that's part of it, too. So like when they when pasta did get shoved into him, he absolutely gave him a little extra to, you know. So so, you know, I, I mean. The way the guy behaves, I don't have any problem with any of that. No, like if I, I, if he's gonna flop around, like give him a reason to. You want to yeah. flop? He has a forearm shiver to the jaw. Right, flop now. If you're gonna <laughs> flop, don't give up four unanswered goals to blow a three goal lead. So try that. Yeah. Um, all right, and Bender number one, old friend Jack Stadnicka. I'm a Bender. Uh, sorry to, to to dump on Stadnicka. We're not doing whipping boys anymore, so I just want to get the most I can out of the Stadnicka <laughs> issue. And uh, he is not a good NHL player, and continues to be uh, north of the border. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, uh, I mean, we already talked about it a little bit, but nine minutes, yeah. you know, zeros across the board, minus one, two wins, five losses on the faceoff. Like, you know, yeah. he he is what he is at this point. He's played. 
you know, close to 40 NHL games and has like seven points or something like that. And he's yeah. a minus player. He's a he's a less than 50 percent face off guy. Mm-hmm. You know, let's stop with, the, you know, he's never had an opportunity. He's had an opportunity. He's just not very good. That's that's what it boils down to. He's had an opportunity to play at the NHL level. The Bruins were going to give him a chance this year. And his first game was so bad. So bad that they were like, we got to get rid of this guy. We can't carry him on the, we can't carry him on the roster. We need someone who can actually play as depth in case someone gets hurt. Right. Cause you can't keep rolling the guy out there and having to play him seven minutes because he's so bad right. that you have to keep, you can't give him 15 games. No, like you can't, it's just a detriment. Yeah. So it, it, it just doesn't, it's just not happening. Bruins fans. It's just, it's just not happening. Nice kid. Sorry. You know, it's just not go overseas. Go with Vespeca uh, Carlson and go play with him. <laughs> you guys can commiserate with each other. Um, all right, Bruins Benders power rankings. And uh, coming in at number seven this week, brand new entry. Might be the first time they've ever been last season or this season. The Buffalo Sabres, six and three. They've won two in a row. They're a plus 12 goal differential. Good for them. Hey, how about Tage Thompson? Like he had 38 goals last year. Yeah. This guy is an under the radar. I thought it was kind of fluky last year, but this guy is actually a good hockey player. He is. He had six points the other night in their yeah. in uh, their win. Uh, so he's uh, yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's a UConn product. He is was he okay? uh, yeah, and uh, he's a big guy too. I think he's like six. Oh, he's five, six, 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 yeah. three. Or, so yeah, yeah, six, six. Yeah, maybe. something like yeah, that. He's, he's big. Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, they they he's definitely a little under the radar you know, uh, star for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know his contract situation. So be it, but you know, maybe that's the guy at the deadline that someone goes and if they want to continue rebuilding there, I don't, I don't know. Um, all right. Number six, the Dallas stars, they stay there at six, three and one, uh, number five, new entry, the Rangers, they've won three in a row. They take on the Bruins on the third of November. Uh, number four, Carolina stays at four, six, two and one Edmonton jumps in to the, uh, Bruins Benders top seven power rankings. Uh, they have won uh, five in a row and uh, they're playing extremely well with Dreisel and McDavid leading the way. Uh, number two, old friend Bruce Cassidy in the Vegas Golden Knights remain there at nine and two on the season. And the Bruins are number one, in the Bruins Benders power rankings for the second week in a row, nine and one, four and a half goals per game, Boston and Vegas one and two. Who would have thought that beginning of the season? Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Pretty interesting. It is. And it is. Uh, it's nice to see, uh, you know, Cassidy getting off to a good start out with Vegas because I did. I did like the guy. Uh, you know, as, mu- as much as uh, you know, we've crapped on him a little bit here about uh, you know how the players felt and so forth. But uh, mm. he was a good coach here for a very long time, so it's good to see him get off to a good start. And then, and then the mm. Bruins, uh, you know. Looking like a little bit of a wagon right here, right now. So yeah, they are. You know what? And it's funny when when he was unceremoniously fired or whatever. You know, Bruins fans everywhere were were up in arms about it. Like, how could you fire Cassie? Blah blah blah. But now, now it's like, oh boy. You know, you know because Montgomery's here, this is why the nine and one, like, you know, think good, good thing. They got rid of Cassidy. Like, right. oh, come on. Like all you people yeah. were up in arms when they got rid of Cassidy on, you know, without warrant and all this other stuff. And the Bruins were being babies and it wasn't that bad. And, and all this. And now we're hearing, well, geez, you know, good thing they got rid of Cassidy. Okay. I mean, that's uh, all right. That's enough. Yeah. I mean, a lot so of revisionist history around here. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. 
So now we're going to go with the Bruins Benders Power Less rankings. Oh, yes. These are the teams that aren't any good. Uh, and um, <laughs> coming in at number 30, the Columbus Blue Jackets have lost three in a row. They are minus 18 goal differential, and uh, things aren't really working out very well so far in the season for Johnny Hockey and his, uh, and his new free agent destination there. So uh, Columbus really, really struggling early in the season here. Um, mm. At 31, Vancouver is 2-6-2. Two, and two. Uh, They're kind of a dumpster fire. They just traded for Jack Stadnika. If that tells you what the, what's, what's uh, happening with them, they've blown uh, a multitude of multi-goal leads multitude. Uh, uh, all over. Uh, seems like every game they have a two-goal lead, and then you look at the end of the game, and they lost by two or three or four. Yeah, uh, right. So... Uh, they're uh they're they're really really in bad shape and they traded a decent D prospect and a goalie prospect for Sadika so <laughs> yeah. you know that's even worse odd move yeah, yeah. Um, so it is an odd move and then uh, the Montreal Canadiens are your worst team in the league they are five and five and it's pure luck. <laughs> it really is. It really is because they're dead dog shit on a stick, and uh, they are thirty second and always will be. Um, so yeah, so there's your Bruins Brenders power less rankings. Boy, Columbus with Goudreau. I mean, that was it was it was a surprising signing in this. You know, other than Line, there's there's just not a lot there. There really like isn't, and I don't know what they're going to do. Like I don't know how to fix it, how to make it better, but. Um, Certainly not. Uh, certainly not a very good team, as evidenced by losing on a back-to-back. Bruins traveling to Columbus for a road game and losing four nothing. Four nothing. Like that's just that's that's not a good sign, that whatsoever. No. Um, all right, we had a Bruins poll this week on Facebook and on Twitter, and here it was: Would you go to an AHL uh, Providence Bruins game at TD Garden? Matt Kalman actually brought this up on Twitter and I saw it and I said, you know what? That's a pretty good idea once a year to have like a Providence Bruins showcase day, maybe a Sunday afternoon or something at TD garden. And uh, we had about a hundred votes between the two social media sites and unanimously. Yes. People would go see the Providence Bruins at TD garden uh, playing a game on the home ice. I would not go. No, I would, I would, I would, I would not go. Uh, number one, I live much closer to Providence than I do to Boston. So I would go see them in Providence, uh, which right. is a much easier in and out than it is uh, going into TD Garden for me. So uh, I would go see the Bruins at the Boston Garden, but I would not uh, at all go see the AHL team in Boston. Seeing well, how about that the this? How about other this places one? down would the street. You, would you see like... Like a, like a, I don't know, like a one o'clock Sunday for like 10 extra bucks, you get the Providence game. And then at, you know, at seven, you see the Bruins. So you get, you know, for, I don't know, whatever they make, they work out some deal where you get for 10 extra bucks on your ticket. You can see the Providence Bruins, you know, I don't know, five hours before them. And I mean, would you do that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that I would probably do that. Cause there's some guys on Providence that I wouldn't mind seeing like, right. you know, some some prospects there that I'm right interested now, Lysel in. Yeah. Kulov and yeah. Beecher and McLaughlin. I mean, there's right. some guys on there who who should be pretty good players for them. Yeah. in the coming years. Yeah, so so, so that I, I would I, I could get behind that if you wanted to you wanted to throw the Bruins in there as well. But I'm not making the trip solely to to see an AHL team. It's just right. it's just too much of a hassle to get in there for me. Um, right. 
where Providence is, you know, basically down the street. So, but how about how about this? How about similar to the old school Celtics in Hartford? How about the Bruins in Providence for one game a year? Oh fuck, I'd get behind that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. yeah, that might not be a bad little take. Sure, yeah, the Bruins go to Providence and play uh, play there. Yeah, you know, maybe play like the Rangers or someone close by, and you get you know you, you pack that place, and that might not be a bad little take. To be honest, yeah, so I, I could yeah. get behind that for sure. Yeah, and so I thought it was a, it was an interesting idea anyway. Or, you know, maybe like the Providence Bruins playing at, well, I don't know, they wouldn't come close to filling it, but like at Gillette, again, like a, if the Bruins played a Winter Heritage Classic kind of thing there yeah. and you put the Providence Bruins there like the day before or something, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that at all, at all either. No. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting little uh, sure. idea by Matt Kalman. All right, week ahead. And it's November 3rd at the Rangers. That'll be a tough one. Also, November 5th at Toronto. And then they come home, the Bruins do, on November 7th versus the St. Louis Blues. So this is a tough little three-game stretch here. David Krejci still out. Uh, I'm not sure when he will return. Derek Forbort probably out. Jeremy Swayman. Uh They've recalled Keith Kincaid yeah. on an emergency basis. So it looks like Swayman might not be out a long time. That's good. but um, So that's good because that looked a little tough on the hyperextension of the knee there. Yeah. Um, so, and, and hopefully, and maybe, you know, Charlie McAvoy is getting closer and closer. We'll see when that will be. But this is a t- difficult stretch. I think Calgary's after that. And there's some some tough teams in here for the Bruins, for sure. Yeah, it is a, it is a tough little stretch. And, and uh, Krejci did travel with the team on the trip. I believe. So there's a possibility he could get in. Uh, I don't think they said he was going to play against the Rangers tomorrow night, but uh, there's a possibility maybe that he plays against Toronto. Uh, And I believe McAvoy took the trip as well just to get some practice time in with the guys. Um, So that's good to see. And and that certainly seems like things are, you know, moving in the right direction, you know, sooner rather than later. So a couple of positives there. Yeah, 100%. So the Bruins are rolling 9-1 and and uh, tough stretch coming up, but uh, we'll see how they fare against these really good teams. Hey, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Download the Inside the Rink app. We're on TikTok at Bruins Benders Podcast, and you can listen to us on Amazon Music. Please rate and review on any of the platforms you listen to us on. And we will be back at it again next week. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. And have a great week. Go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye.